What's happening, everybody? On today's show, some of our conversation with LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels as expectations raise once again for the LSU Tigers. We'll talk 2023 expectations for LSU with Caroline Fenton. Can Brian Kelly make the playoffs in year two of his time in the SEC? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, as we jump into it, we're going to let you hear a little bit from Jane Daniels. We were able to catch up with him at the Manning Passing Academy just a week ago. But uh, first off, want to take a look at LSU and expectations as we head into this season. Of course, Brian Kelly in year one at the helm for LSU went 10 and four last year, uh, nine and four in the regular season, six and two in the conference. Of course, beat Nick Saban and Alabama head to head in year one. It took an overtime win at home in Death Valley, but a marquee win on the schedule for Brian Kelly in year one. But outside of that, there were, there were a few disappointments. Obviously, the season opener where they missed the extra point against Florida State. You lose that one in heartbreaking fashion. Uh, you had the blowout loss to Hendon Hooker and Josh Heupel's Tennessee Vols uh, on October of, in October of last year uh, to, to drop from 2-0 to 2-1 in the SEC, and that one was really a humbling one. But they come back to win by double digits on the road in the Swamp, never an easy place to play, even when Florida's going through a transition phase. They beat Mississippi State. Uh, big that was uh, that was big with Mike Leach offense that had given LSU some fits uh, in the past and uh, you know you beat Ole Miss big with a big second half rally and that was uh, that was a big win um, Ole Miss was ranked seventh at the time for uh, you know when LSU beat them but of course how the season kind of ended the regular season the losing in College Station to A&M in the fashion that they did giving up 38 points to the Aggies that one was a uh, a crushing one, and you know it was one where A and M started to get healthy. But A and M was a bad team last year, and I think a lot of LSU fans were looking at that, going, you know, you were nine and two at the time, six and one of the conference. You win that one, you get the ten wins, and you know who knows if you give a, give Georgia a good game in the SEC title game, uh, could have went to a much better bowl game, or and so on and so forth. But you lose A and M in that fashion, then you lose fifty to thirty to Georgia in the SEC title game. There's some work to do. There's some work to do on this offense, and Matt House is going to try to retool and get uh, everything going here. Obviously, they win the Citrus Bowl um, against Purdue in dominating fashion where we saw a little bit of Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, but uh, nonetheless, it was a 10-4 and season year one for Brian Kelly, and he's going to look to build off of that as we head into year two. And uh, as we get going here, wanted to let you hear a little bit from our conversation with Jaden Daniels. LSU quarterback just a week ago. Granted, it was in a uh, setting where a lot of people were, were talking, and uh, so we got some questions in for Jaden Daniels. Some others did as well. Here was our conversation with Jaden Daniels. Uh, we have the best quarterback room in the country. Uh, you know, I put us against anybody in the country. Um, for us, it's, it's, you know, we're just so we're tight. Um, not just us, but uh, Ricky Collins, 
you know, I treat him like my little brother, um, you know. So just seeing him be able to grow day in and day out, um, coming in as a true freshman, trying to just learn how to live on his own, uh, even though he's from Baton Rouge, but it's different living on your own, uh, and just how to maneuver, how to be, how to uh, treat things professionally. So, I mean, it'll just say that how tight we are, um, that's just a, a blessing for us because, you know, most people don't really get this in their room of just guys that just want to see each other be successful at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say it's like we want to one-up each other. It's more so like we're happy to see uh, each other's success. Like, if I throw a dime, like, they're going to come celebrate with me. Nuts throws a dime, they're going to celebrate with him, Ricky, so on and so forth. So, I mean, we have a lot of fun with each other. It's no animosity or anything. Um, we know that everybody about this team, everybody knows their role. Um, so guys are just going out there and really just trying to see each other succeed at the end of the day. We're having fun playing football. Hey, what was the biggest surprise for you, I guess, coming to the SEC last year? Was there anything that kind of you, you weren't expecting? Uh, the, the different crowds. <laughs> Uh, how much they really care about football. You know, I, I haven't played in something like that before. Uh, you know, you got 90-plus thousand people screaming at you while you're on the field. Um, and really, I'll say the difference is just the trenches, you know, the front seven. You know, the guys have created, I don't know what they're created out of, but they're big, strong, fast, uh, can run me down. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I got to be on my game. I know you were familiar with the Tiger Stadium, how live it could get, but some of those games, the Bama game particularly, I mean, did, did that even catch you off guard like, damn, this is loud? Uh, I mean, I was so in the moment, I wasn't even really thinking about it. Uh, I'll probably say, like, when I actually got to really realize how big that game was and how live Death Valley is, it was after the game I seen a picture of, on social media on, of everybody in the stadium on the field. So I was like, like that's crazy. That's, that's something I'll never forget. It's probably my best football experience to this, to this day. One more for you. The uh, obviously all the preseason magazines. I mean, you're you're on all these preseason lists. You know, preseason quarterback. All this. You pay attention to that kind of stuff, or do you kind of say eh, it's nice to be to get that kind of recognition? It is nice to get that kind of recognition. Uh, I don't let it uh, alter what my focus is. My focus is helping this team get to the. To their their goals too, um, elevating them so we could as a team we can win the national championship. Um, but you know it's nice to get the recognition at the end of the day. When you look back on last year, biggest play of the year, what was it? Was it your overtime run or the two point pass? Uh, I'd probably say the biggest play of the year uh, was after uh, Bryce broke out like five people. We had to go down and drive down to score. Um, that was huge because, you know, if we don't do that, they win the game. Um, but, you know, Bryce is an amazing quarterback. But I know a lot of people say, but I'll say for me, if I had to pick and choose between that, I'd probably say my run because it's, it's just funny how it happened. You know, I, I kind of call my own number. So, you know, I'll say that's the biggest play. What was that like to be able to get uh, play against a childhood friend like Bryce Young? Was there any friendly competition before, any smack talk? <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't. I didn't talk to him the whole week, uh, you know. We just kind of did whatever we did, uh, talked after the game. Well, not really after the game, but talked like pregame a little bit. Um, but, you know, later down the road, like a couple months later, we talked about it. He was like, he was mad about the game. You know, uh, he knew once we went for two that we were going to get it. Um, so, you know, it's funny, it's funny things like that. You get nicks and bruises throughout the season. Were there games last year where 
I mean, obviously you're not 100%, but games where you just kind of had to push through because, I mean, that's just how, how it goes through the course of a season? <laughs> Georgia. The Georgia game uh, with my ankle. You know, I was, I was playing on one leg, basically. But, you know, I got to push through. At the end of the day, it's show my team my toughness and know they can count on me no matter what. What's the confidence like now? You've been here a year. Coach Kelly's program is foundation set. You know what's coming in the SEC. Like, is it a different feeling than it was last year when everybody was feeling each other out? 100%. Um, we all know each other. Uh, we're more tight. Uh, we were tight last year, but, you know, just coming back and just having that confidence in each other and knowing what we expect from each player and how can we take those those uh, top players and elevate their game and while we're elevating our game, bringing the others along with us. Uh, you, you work with out west with Caleb Williams was there also. How was that? Yeah, the Lee Lemon. It was great. Uh, me, Caleb Williams, um, Michael Penix, uh, Talia, uh, Takavaloa. So, you know, go out there just – Meeting those guys more, learning them at a, a deeper level, getting to hang out with each other, um, and just having fun. You know, seeing the top high school quarterbacks go out there and compete, um, and go out there and just you know hang out with those guys. Which quarterback? You, you got to see some of the younger guys out there. Anybody stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean they all got some to the game. Uh, obviously, the Julian saying that wanted. You know, he was he was having a great showcase. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll say it's probably everybody stood out, but you know, I respect everybody's game and what they could bring to the table. Like everybody says, other than Caleb, you were the guy. <laughs> and so, how about that? You know, uh, so you you two guys might be in a Heisman run maybe this year. Yeah, that's the that's the. <laughs> we hope we hope at the end of the season that's what it is. So I appreciate y'all. That again, a little bit of our conversation with Jaden Daniels. Thank you guys for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, Caroline Fenton's going to join us, host of Locked on LSU. We'll talk all about the 2023 Tigers with her coming up in just a second. But first, I want to remind you guys about our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is presented to you by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Bet just 20 bucks and you will land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to uh, hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. It's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, rolling along here on Locked on SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to our everydayers for checking us out. We're uh, doing this thing. We're going across the conference and doing a little season preview on all the different teams in the SEC. And now we make a stop in Baton Rouge talking all things LSU. And to do that, we catch up with Caroline Fenton of uh, Locked on LSU. Caroline, welcome in. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Always love the opportunity to talk Tiger football. And, and look, for those watching on video, we, we did our Ole Miss show. I wore an Ole Miss shirt. I'm wearing an LSU shirt today. So we're, we're equal opportunity here, moving it around. Uh, let's jump right into it, Caroline. Uh, what are the fan expectations, in your opinion, heading into year two of the Brian Kelly era, era there in Baton Rouge? I love this question because it reminds me, it makes me very reminiscent or nostalgic, rather, about the conversation that we were having about that just one year ago, like this time last year, we were talking about, is LSU going to have a winning season? Like, is right. Brian Kelly going to be successful? 
at LSU. And then now fast forward just one season, one year, one calendar year. And now we're talking about, can LSU win a national title this year? Like, is, is LSU going to beat Alabama, win the West, and win the SEC championship this year? So it is wild uh, how much things have changed in just one year. But the expectations this year, I think that you, you can kind of fall into two different categories. You can look at it and say, look what Brian Kelly did in year one, beating Alabama. 10-win season, you know, a trip to Atlanta competing for the SEC championship. What can he do in year two with so much continuity, with so many returners going into this season? Now that the foundation has been set, the foundation has been laid, and it's coming from Brian Kelly, from uh, from the horse's mouth, what can he do in year two? And I think that a lot of people are looking at, at it, like building upon what he did this past season, talking about, you know, potential college football playoff bid. I don't think that those are necessarily fair expectations. That's something that even Brian Kelly said himself. He sat down with Blake Topmeyer of USA Today and he said, you know, year three is really what I'm looking at for this team to be a national title contender. I think that fair expectations, nine or 10 win season in the regular season. And if you told me today that LSU is going to win 10 games this year, I'll sign up for it. I think those are fair expectations, but there absolutely are conversations about are they national title contenders? And I think just after week one against Florida State, we'll have a better vision of if LSU truly can be national title contenders this season. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, I, I think we look back at, at in recent years at the quarterback play that it takes to win a national championship. And, of course, Joe Burrow mm-hmm. kind of set that bar in 2019. But we saw Mac Jones at Alabama in 2020, and then we saw mm-hmm. the elevation of his game in Stetson Bennett these last two years at Georgia. And granted, Georgia had elite defenses and, and – superstars everywhere, don't get me wrong, but you really have to have a special quarterback. And when I look at what LSU has, we know Jaden Daniels was very good. This is a guy who's played a lot of games at Arizona State, been a starter for many years. Um, But there's a reason Garrett Nussmeyer is still hanging around there. In your mind, how does this thing play out? I mean, we saw in the SEC Championship and then the bowl game, they got Garrett Nussmeyer in there, and he looked great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is the plan to play them both? How do you see this playing out this year? So after the Citrus Bowl, LSU played Purdue, beat Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. The very first thing, not very first thing, but one of the first things out of Brian Kelly's mouth was there is no quarterback competition. Jaden Daniels will be our starter next season. When he said that, I think myself and really the rest of the LSU football fandom said, wait, what? Like, what? Whoa. Like, no way. Um, Jaden Daniels is the starter. Uh I don't want to say it's a it's there's no quarterback competition at all because I always think that there's an element of a quarterback competition, especially at this time of year, especially in camp. But Jaden Daniels firmly is the starter. But I do think that they want to give Garrett Nussmeyer very valuable reps. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a true two quarterback kind of system. I think that that's I don't think that works ever. And I don't think that that's what Brian Kelly wants to do. He literally said he doesn't want to do that. But I do think that you're going to start to see a little bit more of Garrett Nussmeyer, not just coming in when Jaden Daniels goes down with an injury, but taking some quality snaps. And we're going to start to see Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, grow a little bit. But this is this is Jaden Daniels job. And I don't even think it's really his job to lose. Yeah, it's it's just it's going to be fascinating because again there were reports that Nussmeier had offers on the table, NIL deals from other schools yeah. to go be the starter, and he sticks with LSU. What did they promise him? What did they tell him about the 2023 season? It's just going to be uh, one of those things to watch. In, in your mind, when we talk about Jaden Daniels, let's just say he's the guy, he's the starter, and yeah. you know he had some big, some great moments last year. He had some not so great moments, but he had some really good moments. 
My thought is if he takes another step forward, this is year two in the system with Mike Denbrock running as the OC, if he takes another step forward, how good can he be? And where would you rank him among some of the other returning quarterbacks? Because I've seen some rankings out there. Some people have K.J. Jefferson number one. We know Will Rogers has a lot of skins on the wall. But where would Jaden Daniels, in your mind, rank this year among all the either returning or incoming SEC quarterbacks? I have no reason to think that he can't be a top three quarterback in the SEC this season. And I say that because I think that Jaden Daniels himself is almost like a microcosm for this LSU football team as a whole, because Brian Kelly talks about building the foundation of having a solid year one and building upon that in year two, I think, and, and starting already off two or three steps ahead this year than they were last year. I look at Jaden Daniels in a very similar way that the, the foundation has already been laid. The, the rapport with the wide receiver core, with the offensive line, his understanding and his grasp of the offense, that's already there. You know, the dirty work's already been done. He has his experience. He has, you know, the, the skins on the wall in the room. He, he knows what his role on this team is, and he knows what his expectations are. He's already starting this season three, four, five, six steps ahead than he was last year. So I think those, those kind of growing pains and those bumps and bruises that you saw from Jaden Daniels, specifically at the beginning of the season this past year, I think if you just watch the Florida State game, you see it. You know, hesitancy throwing the football. Um, you, you could tell he was very skittish. He didn't have a whole lot of trust in the line and the receiver's and that's probably to be expected, you know, when you're coming into a completely new team. It wasn't just new for Jaden Daniels. It was new for the entire football program, bringing Brian Kelly and his system in. So I think that you're already going to have that confidence in Jaden Daniels. Um, but he's got stuff to work on. He needs to be a better passer. He relies on his legs too much. His legs are a weapon. They're an asset, absolutely. But sometimes that can be a crutch. And when there's a wide-open receiver five, six yards downfield, Jaden Daniels has a tendency to take off. He can't do that if he wants to be, you know, to, to fulfill his goals of winning the Heisman, winning the national title, things that he's already said that he wants to do. That's his, his goal for the season. So I have no reason to believe that he can't be a top three receiver. Receiver quarterback in the SEC this year just because of the experience that he has in the league and because of the continuity of this football program. LSU is only one of two teams in the SEC returning a quarterback and an offensive coordinator. The only other team is Vanderbilt. So I think that gives him an advantage as well. Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I mean, if, if they're going to have, if they're going to get to where they want to go this year, I think Jaden's got to develop more as a passer and less running. We know he can run, right. but you know, we want to see him sit back there, stay in the pocket, trust his receivers, and throw. Because that Arkansas game last year is just so hesitant. I know LSU fans are screaming, throw the ball. Oh. Um, you know, and, and look, he can do it. It's in there. Uh, and I just look at the games he started. All those games at Arizona State, people forget. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he beat uh, he beat Oregon a couple years back when they had Justin Herbert. So this is a guy who's played a lot of football. If he takes that next step, um, you know, they could reach levels that, that maybe people aren't even envisioning for LSU this year. And you mentioned receiver. I wanted to jump there next. LSU's got a really good one in wide receiver one in Malik Neighbors. You lose Kayshawn Booty, but some of these other guys, Kyron Lacey, Brian Thomas, Chris Hilton, you feel like some of those guys have to step up for LSU to be successful this year? 100%. And one question that I've been asking myself is who's going to be the Malik Neighbors of this year? 
going into this past season, it was the Kayshawn Booty show. It was Kayshawn Booty and then everyone else. And Malik Neighbors just emerged as being an absolute superstar. He wasn't one that at least I was looking at to say, wow, that's going to be, you know, the game changer this season. So who is going to be that receiver this year that has that kind of breakout year? And I'm looking at Brian Thomas, at, at least in my opinion, is going to be probably that most likely candidate. He's a guy with experience. He's a guy who had some some quality reps this past season but just needed more and more opportunity and now with Jaden Daniels at least ideally being more comfortable in this system maybe throwing the football a little bit more that'll give Brian Thomas the opportunity to really break out but looking at this past year looking at the tendencies of of Brian Kelly and offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock I think that it's going to be the tight ends that really start to blossom, that really break out. I mean, like Notre Dame's not tight end you for no reason. I know that's not only because of Brian Kelly and his love and admiration for using the tight end position in his offense, but that does have a lot to do with it. We saw the development of true freshman Mason Taylor this past season. You don't beat Bama without Mason Taylor. So I do think he takes another big step forward. And I think that you start to see the tight end position become even more and more of a staple in the passing game. Yeah, if Brian Kelly could play five tight ends at one time, he would. Um, He would do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One one more thing on the offense. Um, When I look at the run game, I mean, they bring back Mm -hmm. almost all the backs with Josh Williams, Noah Kane. They had Logan Diggs from Notre Dame. Um, Mm -hmm. In my mind, like, is it fair to say the run game should be better this year? And and when you consider they're going to be more solidified on the offensive line, those bookend freshman tackles a year ago are now bookend sophomore tackles. And they were both very good in Emory Jones and Will Will Campbell. So, um, I mean, do they need to run the football more this year, this year in your mind? I think that they they do need to run the football more just because I don't think that in this league, in the SEC, I don't think you can be successful without a run game. As important as the passing game is and as much as the passing game has developed in the SEC over the last five to ten years, I don't think that you can be successful without a solid run game. Last year was kind of a running back by committee. Um, I'll be interested to see is that the route they choose to go with this season as well? Is there going to be that one standout go-to guy in the run game? Or are you going to have, you know, your your guys like Noah Kane, who's a little bit more versatile, who can you know, also catch the ball out of the backfield as well as run it? Or are you going to have that one just bruising guy? Um, I, I would tend to think that it's more of a running back by committee. And you mentioned Logan Diggs. I think that Logan Diggs is an underrated addition to, to this team. Um, transfer from Notre Dame. He's from Louisiana, so it just made too much sense for him not to come to LSU, a kid from Louisiana who's coached by Brian Kelly in the beginning of his career. Um, I think that he is is going to be a solid, solid addition into this into this run game. I think they just need to be more responsible. Uh, LSU had a tendency to not take care of the football when they were running the football this past season. So I think that that's something they need to work on as well is just take care of the football. You can't fumble the football. You know, take care of the football, be more responsible and mindful in the run game. Yeah, Logan Diggs from Archbishop Rummel in New Orleans. And as we know, the three best Rummel Raiders of all time, number one, Jamar Chase, LSU wide receiver. Part of him. Number two, <laughs> Logan Diggs. And number three, Chris Gordy. So the uh, three best Rummel alums there. We'll A see. trifecta. <laughs> I've been telling people, those three. Got to keep your eye on those three. LSU legends. <laughs> all right, coming up in just a second, we will, uh, we will touch on – Uh, or LSU's defense, and we'll run through the schedule with Caroline Fenton. That's coming your way in just a sec. 
All right, rolling along here with Caroline Fenton, host of Locked On LSU, and we're talking about the 2023 LSU Tigers. So Caroline, we talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense because we know this is a front that is headlined by Harold Perkins, who a year ago was one of the best defensive players in all of college football. But a couple of new additions. Obviously, they lose some of the guys on the defensive line. They bring in some transfers there. We'll see what happens. You know, they get Mason Smith back, which is huge. Uh, but kind of an underrated guy that they're getting through the portal at linebacker, Omar Spates. I keep reading more and more of people who are very high on him, and they like the idea of him playing next to Harold Perkins, and you know we'll see w- what that does in playing sideline to sideline. But just give me your overall thought on on how you know confidence level and where you are in this LSU defense heading into twenty twenty three. This is a tale of two defenses because you asked me my confidence in the defense. I'll talk about the front seven. You know the defensive line uh, confidence is on ten because you saw the emergence of Harold Perkins last year, who was an absolute monster as a freshman. So what can he do in his sophomore year and a little bit more of a refined role uh, last year? Harold Perkins was really used as just a versatile piece. He didn't really have a set position. He could play up front. He could rush the quarterback. He could drop back in coverage. He was a quarterback spy. I mean, he could really do it all. Brian Kelly wants him to play linebacker. He's going to play linebacker. So I'm excited to see what he does in that role. And then also last year, you saw the emergence of Makai Wingo, who transferred into LSU after his freshman season at Missouri, had a really solid freshman season at Missouri. Mason Smith goes down in that first game against Florida State. Makai Wingo really stepped up. Um, And from what I've heard, he was just the kind of guy that you want in the locker room, that he was a great leader. So I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. Mason Smith is returning. And it's almost like, uh, I always talk about Mason Smith as like, when you open your Venmo account and you have money in there and you're like, oh, nice, like free money. Just forgot about that. With Mason Smith, it's like, oh my gosh, yeah, Mason Smith is coming back. Great. So excited to see what he can do. He was poised for a breakout year this past year. Got sidelined just too early um, after he tore his ACL against Florida State. So excited to see what he can do. So, Confidence on 10. You mentioned Omar Spates, captain at Oregon State, four-year starter at Oregon State, coming in is really, you know, settled in nicely. Ovia Gofu is another one who transferred in from Texas, spent a few years with Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, and then transferred into LSU from Texas, another one who has been a monster so far in camp. So solid on the defensive line. Getting into the secondary, I think, is a, is a little bit of a different story. LSU had one scholarship corner going into this season from this past year. And that was Terrence Welch, who had limited snaps. He was a true freshman this past year. Didn't see a whole lot of action. That was that was all you had. So for the second year in a row, defensive coordinator Matt House and Brian Kelly had to dig through the transfer portal to build up the secondary. And they got really solid pieces. Denver Harris, transfer from Texas A&M, five-star, and one of the top players in his recruiting class in the 2022 recruiting class out of Delishu. So excited to see what, what he can do. Can he stay out of trouble? You know, can he stay on the field? How does he fit into LSU? This is his second shot, and it's a really solid second chance to be able to do that at what is called DBU. Um, but it, it's a it's kind of an island of misfit toys in the secondary transfers from all over. So that's something that I'm not necessarily concerned about, but something that I'm questioning. Can Matt House turn this this secondary around for the second year in a row? What does the secondary look like with so many transfer pieces and with so many young up-and-coming players? 
Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point. I mean, you, safety, you feel good with Major Burns and Greg Brooks mm-hmm. back there, but that those corner spots, Cy Alexander from Southeastern, Deuce Chestnut yep. from, from Syracuse, good players, but, you know, if you're LSU, do you reach – should you really be digging up corners from Southeastern and Syracuse? Like you should be grooming your own guys. So right. the reputation of this program, it, it's, it's out of character to not have those defensive backs just lined up on the depth chart. Yeah, no doubt. Well, let's uh, dive into it, Carolina. As we start to look at LSU's schedule, mm-hmm. um, obviously right out of the gates, the, the game against Florida state in Orlando, we know LSU fans are hoping to win that game after losing the heartbreaker last year in New Orleans. But on the flip side, God, Florida State is loaded. I mean, they bring back Jordan Travis at quarterback, all the new pieces they added through the transfer portal. So that one to me is still very much a 50-50 game. Uh, where are you on the Florida State game? Man, it keeps me up at night, Gordy. I'm not going to lie. It's, I have a love-hate relationship with LSU's tendency to schedule really good games week one. LSU does this every year, and I love it because I get a good peek behind the curtain of what this team is really going to be, a better idea when you play Florida State versus, you know, East-West Technical Community College week one, playing a cupcake, cough, cough, Nick Saban in Alabama. Um, but it's also the other side of it is – you might have a loss on your schedule after one week. And that kind of sets the momentum and sets the tone for the rest of the season. The way I feel about the Florida State game is if you lose that game, and it depends on how you lose it, if it's the same kind of heartbreaker that you had last year where it comes down to a you know a blocked extra point, it's going to suck and it's going to hurt. But you can look at yourselves and say, well, that's a really solid Florida State team. Jordan Travis is has a whole lot of Heisman buzz. And if we talk about continuity for this LSU team, a whole lot of returners. Well, Florida State has more. Florida State is a really solid team. So if LSU loses that game, but it's a close game and they play well, I'm going to feel really good about this team. I've said, if we're going to talk about the national championship, if we're going to talk about the college football playoff, I think that the college football playoff hopes are still alive for LSU, even if they do drop that first game against Florida State. But I do like LSU's chances. I really do. I think with all of the momentum that this team had coming from the end of this past season, with so many returners, with so much just more, um, I don't know the word, just more clarity about what this team is. It makes me feel a whole lot better going into this game against Florida State, even though it is an absolute wagon of a team. Yeah, well, we'll we'll go 51-49 here. We'll say they win that game against Florida State just for argument's sake. Then they get Grambling Week 2. That should be a win at Mississippi State. It's an interesting win because we already know it's an 11 a.m. Central game on ESPN, so it's going to be, you know, is LSU sleepwalking or do they come out aggressive and ready to go? And, uh, granted, we don't know what Mississippi State's going to look like, and you're one of Zach Arnett now coaching and, and Mike Leach gone, but um, I look at that. That one is one that LSU, I feel like, has to win. You don't lose in Starkville yeah. if you're LSU. You come home against Arkansas, again, a, an improved Arkansas team, K.J. Jefferson, Dan Enos, uh, now the OC, but I feel like you win that one. And then two road trips after that, at Ole Miss mm-hmm. and at Missouri. I think they can win at Missouri. The at Ole Miss one is a little is a little bit scary one if I'm an LSU fan. Where are you on that one? So there are three games in particular that I look at every year, and I say LSU doesn't lose those games. And it just so happens to be three games in a row, <laughs> Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. LSU just doesn't lose those games. If you lose those games, then what you think you can be, a national title contender competing for the SEC West, a potential second trip 
to Atlanta in a row for, for Brian Kelly, you don't do that if you lose any of those three games. Ole Miss is a very interesting, interesting to me because last year when LSU played Ole Miss, LSU, or excuse me, Ole Miss went into that game undefeated. But I felt like it was almost like a, like a false undefeated Ole Miss team because it came down to a, a really close game against Kentucky where Levis got hurt in that game and Ole Miss ended up pulling out that game. Ole Miss had a really light schedule at the beginning of their season, so I felt like all the hype surrounding Ole Miss going into that game against LSU probably wasn't warranted, and it was a little bit of a back of a comeback to reality for Ole Miss whenever um, LSU took that game in Baton Rouge this past year. I don't know what to think of Ole Miss, to be completely honest with you. The quarterback <laughs> situation at Ole Miss is, is interesting. They've got an absolutely loaded quarterback room. I don't know what to think of Ole Miss, to be honest with you, but I look at that game and those three games, Mississippi State, Arkansas, and Ole Miss, there are games that are keeping me up at night. Florida State's one of them. Those three, to be completely honest with you, are not. Yeah, and and, and just for argument's sake here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put LSU at – Put them at three, four, five. I'll put them at five and one. I'll give them a loss in Stark at, at Ole Miss, rather in Oxford. Okay. Um. So I got them at five and one going to that Auburn game. I feel like this is the year to beat Hugh Freeze in the transition year. You're in Baton Rouge because I feel like next year that's going to be a brutal game going to Auburn in year two of Hugh Freeze and all that. So I feel like LSU beats Auburn this year. Uh, mm-hmm. Then they get Army, which is a, a really tough team to plan for and scheme for right after An you just played Auburn. Interesting schedule choice there. <laughs> but I don't I, know why we're playing Army. <laughs> I, f- I feel like they win both of those, though. So I've got them at what? That's that's four, five, uh, six, seven. seven. It's seven and one. Seven and one. Going into Alabama. This mm-hmm. game still decides everything. Even with the loss to yeah. Ole Miss, you beat Alabama. You're in the driver's seat for the SEC West. So give me a thought on LSU-Bama. We saw it a year ago. Alabama, obviously, they've taken a step backward. They lose Bryce Young. They lose Will Anderson. But a lot of people are still picking them, even despite the quarterback questions. People are still picking Alabama to win the West because it's Nick Saban. But it's tough to play in Tuscaloosa. But if LSU wants to build off of last year, this is a game they can win. So I think it's interesting how Alabama loses two games, and now all of a sudden everyone is willing to write Alabama off like there's some frou-frou game on the schedule and Nick Saban is some you know kook coaching that, fo- that football team. I, that, I think, is, is scary to me. An Alabama team that's being maybe overlooked or an Alabama team that everyone looks at as, well, it's Alabama, but Georgia is the team to beat. That is a very scary scenario for me because I know Nick Saban is collecting all of it as bulletin board material and he's going to want to come back with a vengeance. There's a reason why it's really difficult to beat Alabama once. It's even more difficult to beat them in back-to-back years. But I am going to say if you're going to beat Bama two years in a row, this is the year to do it. When you have so much consistency, when you have a team that's very... You know, reminiscent of what you had last year. Same quarterback, same coordinators. You're returning your top four rushers. You're returning your top receiver. When Alabama has some quarterback concerns, questions, when you're bringing in two new coordinators, this is the year to beat Alabama in, in back-to-back years. Brian Denny's a tough place to play. It really is. I don't love the fact that the game's in Tuscaloosa, but in 2019, you marched into Tuscaloosa and you beat Alabama, and it was a much better Alabama team then than I think you're going to see this year. 
So I, I'm not going into the game with a ton of, I'm not going to say confidence, but I look at that and say, this is a really wonderful opportunity. If LSU played Bama in Tuscaloosa in September, I, I give LSU the win. The fact they get him in November, I think Alabama's already got the quarterback thing figured out there. And yeah, right. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, Tyler Buckner, whoever it is, I feel like they've solidified that guy and they're rolling. So I'll give LSU a loss there, 7-2. and two, I think that's fair. But I feel like they come back and win the next three at home. Florida, which, look, Billy Napier still going through a transition. It's tough to win in Baton Rouge. Georgia State, I think they win. And I get. I think they get the A&M revenge factor after losing College yeah. Station last year. It's turned into a good rivalry game. So, look, I get LSU 10-2, and two, not winning the West, but maybe mm-hmm. sitting there primed. I don't think they get in the playoff at 10-2, and two, but I think they're sitting there primed for next best bowl game. And I think that's a win for Brian Kelly. Even though he doesn't win the West in year two, he finishes with a better record in year two. I would probably agree with that. And that's what I've been trying. I, I talked about with the Locked On LSU listeners is, look, success isn't linear. Not in this conference. Not in the SEC West. Not in the most competitive division in football. What you did in year one was incredibly impressive and instilled a whole lot of confidence in Brian Kelly. And I think that that's what Brian Kelly needed. That's what the fan base needed was reassurance that Brian Kelly is the guy. Coming back in year two, not winning the West, not competing for the SEC championship, if that is how it plays out. And I think that 10-2 and two is, is very fair, is a fair expectation and is probably very realistic. I think that it should continue to remind people that, that yes, it's a results-based business, but you can start to see improvement year over year. And in 10-2 and two season and year two, I'll take it. If it's a Sugar Bowl, an Orange Bowl bid, I'll take it. Absolutely. And I think that LSU fans should be and would be incredibly pleased with that. Yeah. And of course, year three, you know, if you go 10 and two next year, you're in the playoff because we got conference expansion or playoff expansion and all that. So, uh, Caroline, great stuff. Always fun to catch up with you. Of course, uh, Locked on LSU is where you can find all of Caroline's stuff. Uh, In closing, give me your uh, final thoughts here on, on LSU heading into as we count down the days to the 2023 season. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm incredibly excited. And I think that LSU is is poised in a really great position where there are a lot of programs in the SEC that are in transition, that are rebuilding, whether that be at coach, at quarterback, the program as a whole. So I'm excited to see what LSU can do and how they can take advantage of an SEC that feels a little like, like it's in limbo. And it feels like this is like the last hurrah of the SEC as we've known it over the last 10, 11 years since Texas A&M and, and Mizzou joined the fold. So I'm I'm excited. It's going to be fun. And Jaden Daniels, Heisman 2023, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Caroline Fenton, host of Locked On LSU. Caroline, thanks for the time, and uh, we'll talk to you next week at uh, Media Days, all right? Looking forward to it. Appreciate it, Gordy. All right, there you go. That's uh, Caroline Fenton of Locked On LSU. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked On uh, SEC. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And shout out to our everydayers. Continue to check in with us as we'll continue to keep going through all of the SEC teams this uh, week, gearing you up for a look ahead at the 2023 college football season. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked On SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow.